but they're good. And, and Grayson uh, wanted more information and ended up professing faith in Christ. So keep praying, because Lord, let me tell you something. Them children need Jesus, okay? There's some of them. Mm, they're going to need Jesus real soon. If, uh, so we need to be praying for Good News Club, but also Alana. Awana. Uh, we've got 42 children signed up. I don't know how many are here this week, but we had 27 here on our first night. And that's an incredible thing. Um, 27 on the first night. Every child went home uh, that we've heard from just celebrating. It was so good, so much fun. They had a great time. And they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ in, in wonderful ways. Um, so just be praying. Uh, for all of these different things because we believe that, that God is going to do something in our day that's just going to surprise us and astound us. And it's going to be fun to be a part of if we'll uh, say, God, we're willing to be used if you're willing to use us. So be praying for those things. We've got a marriage course coming up uh, in February the 18th. And so you can have two options. One is you can um, serve at the marriage course and we do need folks to do that. Or two, you can participate and, and it's not for newlyweds, it's not for young folks, it's for folks who are married and would like to sharpen their skills on marriage. Okay, is that fair? All right, fantastic. So you can see Dan uh, for more information uh, or to sign up in some way. Also, uh, there is a cost to it. And um, the cost is $150 for seven weeks. That covers the material, that covers the dinners, that covers everything. But you might not go through it, but you might say, well, I'd be willing to kind of pay for somebody to go through it and bless them in that way. And that's always an opportunity for you to do that if you'd like to participate in some other way. Um, this coming weekend is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. And so we'll be celebrating that here at our church. We've got the Foothills Care Center group coming to be with us. Um, I, I called them way long time ago because I wanted them on this day. So they're going to be with us sharing. We'll be, I'll be preaching a short sermon, if you can imagine that. Um, and uh, we will talk about how this is a kingdom issue. Uh, this is a big deal. This matters into eternity. Um, and so this is, this is about our mission. Uh, so they'll be with us tomorrow night. Many of you are already aware. Tomorrow night at 6 o'clock, Matt uh, Robertson's uh, memorial service. It's at Mount Pisgah Baptist Church in um, Piedmont, Powder, Powder, Easily, easily, easily addressed. Thank you. So over yonder, it's uh, Mount Pisgah, and if you'd like more information, it's at 6 p.m. If you'd like to go and support the Dawkins family, also Gretchen Booker, who passed away Saturday morning, her memorial service will be Saturday, February 3rd at 2 p.m. Mama just needed some time and some space. Gretchen has already been in two. And I was with Mama. Jackson and I were with Mama on Monday for that. So be praying for all of them. Okay? And uh, the last thing that I'll share with you is we've got, I think, three of us who are planning on going to Panama at the end of February. Um, and to be kind of a vision trip to see how a church like ours might serve with um, uh, Colleen and Alan, Alan and Colleen Foster, who served down there as missionaries. They served with IMB folks, and they served with um, unreached, unengaged people groups. And God has just brought this connection out, and so we're looking forward to seeing how we might be beneficial. We're also most likely looking for another trip before the end of the year. So you might not be able to go on this one, but if you're interested in one later on, there'll be more dates to come. We're also looking to get a Senegal trip um, to serve in, in the Muslim population in Senegal in the fall. So lots of opportunities to go across the world, and you'll be hearing about lots of opportunities that we're going to participate in right here locally, too. So good things ahead of us. All right? So, now, let's focus our hearts. Let's ask the Lord to focus our attention uh, and hear in His Word. Mm -hmm. 
Search my heart, O oh God. Test me. And know my thoughts. And see if there's any grievous way in me. And lead me in the everlasting. May the words of our mouth and the meditations of our tongues, or the, may the meditations of our heart, the words of our tongues, be pleasing to you. In your sight, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. Father, tonight we come to you and we just ask that you would, for this hour of time that we get to be together, that you would settle us. Father, give us laser-like attention on you. Father, we, don't, we didn't come for a sermon. We didn't come for a, a singing time. We came to be with you. Father, I remember the story of Martha and Mary. Martha's just flustered. Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus. We want to be at your feet tonight. Because that's where, that's where life happens. And Jesus even said, listen, Martha, I'm not going to take Mary's portion away from her. That's the better portion. So, Lord, tonight we just want to be at your feet. We don't need a sermon from my heart. We need a sermon from yours. We need to hear from you. Father, in this group, this, this time is one of my favorite times of the week. And we just pray, Father, that you would um, come and draw us closer together as we draw near to you. As we draw near to you, your Bible promises that you'll draw near to us. So, Lord, we come looking for rest, looking for food, the word of God to feed us and nourish our souls. We just come to you. Satisfy us this morning or this evening in your steadfast love. Father, out of your word, teach us truth. And help our lives, by your Holy Spirit, help our lives to be built on the foundation of your truth, we pray. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. One last thing I forgot to say. Andy Perry, uh, he is doing well. He's at home. Good. Surgery went well. Um, they won't have pathology stuff back for some time, but surgery went well. He's home in I told Mr. Ron Baker they did remove some things from him, but they did not remove his sense of humor. And so uh, that's a good thing. All right. So I want you to go in your Bible uh, to Matthew 16. Um, I heard a sermon one time that I'm just going to re-preach to you. If you missed Sunday morning, what a fantastic message from God's Word Pastor Ken preached to us uh, this past Sunday. Okay, so Matthew 16, beginning in verse 13, is where we're going to be. And I'm just going to remind you of the passage, and we'll walk through it together. And, and I want to take what Pastor Ken did, and I want to just peel another layer back. Uh, Pastor Ken only had a limited amount of time, and, and on Wednesday nights, I've got a little bit more time. Okay, so let's look at what the Word of God says. Verse 13, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? Who do, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. So that's what Pastor Ken preached from. His message was uh, kind of called the, the King's Community. And in his message, uh, 
Pastor Kim had a handful of points. Let's see if I can get this thing going. He had a handful of points. The first point was there's a solid foundation. So as you're going through there, uh, we see him say, uh, you're Peter and on this rock. So we're going to talk about that in a few moments. On this rock, a solid foundation. The next point was the supernatural empowering. God says, Jesus says, I will build. I will build. I'll do it. The third part is the intimate identification where Pastor Ken talked about how it's my church is what Jesus said. It's not our church. It's not the church's church. It's his church. So what does that look like and what does that mean? The uh, fourth point there was the eternal significance. And Jesus says the gates of hell should not prevail against this thing that I'm creating. So the eternal significance. And then lastly, Pastor Ken's point was the royal responsibility. And the word of God says... And I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. And he goes on to say, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. So there is something much bigger than we understand going on. Okay? So that's kind of what we talked about uh, this past Sunday. Now, we began at the beginning of the year a theme. And our theme is the idea of Equipped for service, sent with purpose. And that's our 2024 year theme. Last year's theme was outside these walls. And we, we got outside our walls uh, better than we had in years past. And we want to continue that focus of getting outside these walls. But this year, we want to make sure that our people are equipped for service and then sent with purpose. So... That is our theme for the year. Now, don't that doesn't take away our mission. That doesn't change the things that, that we feel like God's called us to. So remember, our mission is to help every person become a more devoted disciple of Jesus. And we do that three D words. We declare the gospel, we disciple the believer, and we deploy the church. And so you'll see how this uh, equipped for service sent with purpose fits right into those three strategy points. Declare, disciple, deploy. Alright? So it fits right in. We're going to spend this year really equipping for service and sending with purpose. And so there will be lots of equipping times and also lots of opportunities to get outside these walls, for goodness sake. Okay? So that's kind of where we're thinking this year. Now, I'm going the wrong way. We talked about priorities. And I just want to remind you of priorities. And we put them in three kind of buckets. And those buckets were kingdom focus. And we put kingdom first because remember what Jesus says. Seek first the kingdom. Right? We can get uh, sidetracked on seeking other things first and miss out on the most important thing. So seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. So we kingdom focus. Uh, second uh, bucket is preparing the resources. And the third bucket is a missional structure. And so in those buckets are these seven priorities. Outreach follow-up plan. So you're going to hear more in the days ahead about how we're going to reach our community or do our best to reach our community. We're going to plug into some certain areas and uh, share the gospel, declare the gospel with those folks. Second is discipleship path. Third, new classes and groups. Fourth, children's wing. We really want to make that the best children's wing we can, because we believe that if, like we preached a couple weeks ago, if we'll prepare the vessels, then God will fill them. Okay, so we want to we wanna get equipped, we want to get ready, we want to be obedient, do what we're supposed to do, and then trust the Lord for the fruit, all right? Activity center, down there, we want to make it useful and uh, ready for when we outgrow this space on Wednesday nights. Okay? We need to have dinner down there. And so when we're outgrowing this space, we're going to have that space ready. Six is excellence in all things. And seven is a new church structure. And so those are all things that when we think about equipping for service and sending with purpose, we're trying to get everything aligned under the kingdom focus. That everything we have helps us accomplish the Great Commission. Everything we do 
Does our Sunday school classes, do they do that? Everything. Does it accomplish the Great Commission? Amen? Amen? Okay, so that's where we are, and that's where we're headed this year. All right, so I want to make tonight real practical for us, okay? So when we talk about the solid foundation, hey, y'all, we had somebody famous just walk in. I'm saying. So Christopher Holsey was uh, chosen as the, by the, all right, you got to help me out, by what class? The senior class as the teacher that made the biggest influence on us uh, their whole career, and it was the great Christopher Holsey. So we got greatness in our midst. So that's why he wasn't leading us in song tonight. He loves it when I do that. Okay, so diving in the Word, Matthew 16. Jesus says, he just asks the question, who do people say that I am, and who do you say that I am? That is the most important question that every person on the planet has to deal with. Amen. The most important question is not who do people say that I am, because people say lots of stuff about Jesus. He's a good teacher, he's a prophet, he's a great example to follow, but that's not the question. Not who do people say that I am, because everybody has an opinion, and an opinion's like a rear end. You don't want to hear anybody else's. <laughs> Some of y'all catch that in a minute. Okay. So, but the question is, who do you say that I am? Our eternal security hinges on our answer to that question. It's not, how did you live your life? Or did you behave? Did you do well? Did you obey all the rules? Because all of us fall short of the glory of God. Our eternal security hinges on who do people say that I am? No, no, no. Who do you say that I am? So, Peter answers. Peter's often open mouth, insert foot. But Peter gets it right here. Um, here's, and, and he says, you are the Christ. Christ was an Old Testament Jewish Messianic term for the one that the Old Testament's been pointing to and the one we've been waiting for. You're the Christ. The Messiah, the chosen one, the anointed one. You're the king of David's line. You're the suffering servant of Isaiah. You're the Child to be born of Isaiah 9. This is who you are. This is what he said. In, in that one word, you're the Christ, the Christos. You are, in that one word, it had so much meaning that we don't have time to talk about tonight. And Jesus responds. Jesus responds with a, just a, a fun statement. Jesus always is very surprising. He says, Peter? Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. He's known Peter a little while. Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, Simon, son of Jonah. But my Father in heaven revealed that to you. And he said, and you are Peter. Now the word Peter is Greek word Petros. He says, you are Peter, and upon this rock, I'll build my church. Now, Pastor Ken mentioned, I'll mention it just a moment. This is where the Catholics go a little wonky. It's a Hebrew word, wonky, write it down. <laughs> wonky, okay? They believe that Peter is the rock that the church will be built on and that he has the keys of the kingdom. And that's where the papacy, the, the Pope, comes from. But here's why we can know for certain that that can't be true. Because I want you to look at the very next story. Look down at verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed. And on the third day be raised. Verse 22. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, oh, Jesus, don't you talk about that? Far be that from you, 
This shall never happen to you. Verse 23, but he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. All right, let's just be honest here. I think that right there is a reminder that Peter was a human just like we are. He wavered just like we do. And the church is not built on a, any person other than the person of Jesus. Get behind me, Satan. He says, you're a hindrance to me. Now, that's a hard word. You are a hindrance to me. The Greek word is a stumbling block. And that's kind of important. We'll come to that in a moment. You're a stumbling block to me. You're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Now, so what we know is that Peter is not the rock that the church is built on. Rather, what Peter said is the rock that the church will be built on. Okay, so let's look at it. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, this idea of rock is not New Testament only. So when Jesus says, on this rock I'll build my church, it was reminiscent for the Jews. There were Old Testament scriptures, Isaiah 8, Isaiah 28, uh, Psalm 118, that might have come to their minds. In Psalm 118, 22, if you want to grab your Bible and flip there with me, you can. I'll read it if not. Psalm 118, 22 says, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. You remember that? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And Jesus spoke that of himself to the Pharisees who reject him. Romans 9, verse 33, quotes, kind of jams together, two quotes out of the book of Isaiah uh, 28, 16, and 8, 14. Romans 9, 33, Paul quotes and says as it is written as it is written behold I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame now the rock is the confession of the person and nature of Jesus the Messiah that's the confession. That is the rock. And, and Jesus is called the rock. Jesus is called the rock. And he's called the rock in a number of different places. Uh, 1 Corinthians, I believe. No, 2 Corinthians 10, Jesus is called the rock that was struck that poured out fresh water in the desert. Jesus is the rock of the scriptures. And he is known as a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Now, that's an interesting thing, isn't it? He's a rock that if you build yourself on him, he will keep you in all kinds of weather. He is a rock that if you reject him, he will crush you. He's a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. I think we brought this up a few weeks ago, but what does that mean? It, it means that to some, he will become the rock of refuge. To others, he will be entirely offensive. Think about salvation. People reject the salvation of Christianity because it's too doggone easy. Think about it. I've shared the gospel with people and they have said, it can't be that simple. No, it can be. It is entirely confounding to people, isn't it? So you're telling me that all I got to do is trust in this guy, Jesus, that he lived a sinless life, died a sinner's death, rose from the dead so that I could be saved? Uh-huh. Well, what do I have to do for salvation? Nothing. You've got to trust him. Place your faith on him and what he's done, not what you do. 
It's confounding. Think about it to the Jewish audience. We got 603 rules. And you're telling me I don't have to keep any of those 603 rules to get on God's good side? No. You mean all the law of Moses wasn't for my righteousness, but rather to point me to a Savior? Yep. You mean he's come to fulfill the law so that the power of the law is undone in my life? Yes. And confounding to the Jew. And let's just be honest, it's confounding to some of us at times. Some of us, we say, it's just too easy. And we, we reject him. And he's a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. So the question for us is, as individuals and as a church, how do we know that we're building on the rock? How do we know that we're building on the rock? Now, I want to give you two, two things if you're taking notes tonight. Okay? So the first thing is that everything that I or we do, I as an individual or we do as a life, as a church, I'm sorry, everything is about people encountering the Jesus of the Scriptures. Everything, think about it. What, what should we do at church that's not about helping people come in contact with Jesus? Nothing. You either, we either need to help people come in contact with him for the first time ever, or to come in contact with him again and again and again and again until you're conformed to the image of the Son. That's, that's our purpose. It's why we exist. Everything, and not the Jesus of your mama or grandmama or your tradition or your denomination. All those things will fail. I love being a Baptist. I'm a Baptist by choice, but I'm, before I'm a Baptist, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christ follower. Because the Baptist denomination was invented, and it will one day go away, and in heaven you will not be Baptist. There will not be a Baptist section and a Pentecostal section with all the you know, if the Presbyterians aren't going to have better wine at the Lord's table than everybody else. That we're Christ followers. Jesus is my Savior. Everything we do points people to the Jesus of the Scriptures. I hear people say all the time, well, okay, I've heard about Jesus. Let's get to the deep stuff now. And, and I heard I heard someone say that, that sometimes we think that the gospel is a diving board into the deep things of God. And I just want to dive into the pool of the deep things of God. And we've got to recognize that the gospel of Jesus is the diving board, but it's also the pool that we dive into. Why? Because every page and every verse and every chapter of Scripture bears witness to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Everything, And so we as a church exist to point to the person and work of Jesus. Why do we sing? To point to the person and work of Jesus. Why do we do Sunday school? To point to the person and work of Jesus. Why do, we pre Why do I preach so long? To point to the person and work of Jesus Christ. So that you and I might encounter him and be transformed into his likeness. That's why we do. Why do we do Awana? So that kids who don't know about Jesus, come in contact with Jesus. Why do we do the Good News Club? Because little Grayson, I mentioned hell, and he said that's the opposite of what we're doing here today. And he confused me for a minute. And then he said, we're at the Good News Club. <laughs> and then he made a profession of faith. That's why we do what we do. Because we want people to answer the question for themselves, who do you say that Jesus is? We can't just move on from the gospel and start talking about all the, let's talk about revelation. I really want to know end time prophecy. I don't care about end time prophecy. Because nobody has been saved through, through just knowing about prophecy. They have been saved through coming into contact with the Jesus of the prophecy. 
But you, we can run off into all kinds of ditches chasing prophecies. But I promise you, even if you don't understand the prophecies and you, you come into contact with the Jesus of the Scriptures, you're going to be all right. Because I read the end. And Jesus wins. Amen. Amen. I'm, I'm not saying don't study Revelation. I'm saying don't get caught up in it. I'm not, I'm not saying don't study numerology. I'm saying don't let that be the focus of your study. I'm not saying don't look into the gifts of God. Look into them. Dive into them. But everything we do is about knowing Jesus. Everything. The second way that we know we're building on the rock is that the Word of God is our authority for life and action. Now I want you to flip back from Matthew chapter 16 to Matthew chapter 7. Now I want you to go to verse 24. Alright, so remember, we want everything we do should be about helping people encounter the Jesus of the Scriptures. And the second thing, how do we know we're building on the rock, is the Word of God is the authority for life and action, individually and the church. Okay? So look at verse 24. Matthew 7, verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the what, church? Rock. Rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the what, church? Rock. Rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So you've got a comparison of a wise person and a foolish person. The wise person hears the word of God from the capital W word of God and obeys the word of God, and he is like a man who builds his house on a firm foundation of the rock, and it doesn't matter what storm comes, he's safe, his house is safe because it's built on the rock. There's a foolish man who hears the words of the Lord, does not obey the words of the Lord, and therefore does not build his house on the rock, who is the word of God. And when the storm comes, what happens? It falls. It falls. And what I want you to understand is that when we truly profess with our mouth, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God, that profession of Christ will lead to a radical reordering of our lives. And our church. A saving profession always produces obedience. Not the other way around. We, our American religion says obedience produces saving profession. But the scriptures say saving, a saving profession produces obedience. Obe just remember, you can obey all the law or try, but never have your heart changed. You can give lip service to God. <coughs> with a heart that is like stone. Do you remember what Jesus said in Isaiah 29, 13? They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. We can do that. What we need is not a, a transformation in the external works that we do. What we need is a transformation in the very nature of who I am. And that comes through Jesus and when that happens, that internal transformation of heart and soul, when that happens, guess what's going to follow? Obedience. Obedience will. So, here's my question. Let me ask you a list of questions. And if you want to answer, answer. When someone comes to our church, do people see Jesus in our attitudes and actions. We all want to say 
Yes. When, when people come to church, who do they see? Do they see Jesus in our attitudes and our actions? I think they did last Sunday when we all prayed with each other. Amen. Amen. Let me ask you. Let's make it more specific. Somebody walks into our church. They, they're not a church-going folk. If you, ever, you could probably tell when there's a church-going folk that walks in and then a non-church-going folk. They, they're like crawling on going, man, I'm just not comfortable up in here. But, but okay, so what does that non-church-going folk learn about what we believe about Jesus by how we worship? Go. My Iranian friend, Marzia, that we picked up um, December the 20th, her first time out of Iran in the United States of America. She came to church with us Christmas Eve morning. And afterwards, she told us, she said, I didn't understand. It was pretty confusing. But I love the music and the beat. <laughs> but she felt welcomed, Pastor, and it was her very first time in a Christian church. Amen. And that's the way it ought to be. We have a very welcoming church, but we need to think that everything that we do when we come here communicates something about who Jesus is. That's right. Everything. When I worship, I'm communicating more than I'm singing. So I, I am singing, and it is an act of worship to the Lord, but I'm also saying something about what I believe about God to others when I'm worshiping. Does our worship communicate the worth and value, the beauty and treasure that Christ is? When somebody walks into our church the first day, what does how we sit in the sanctuary communicate about what we believe about church? I mean, I'm stepping on toes right now. Where, can we just be, let's have a talk. Where do we sit in the sanctuary? There's like 14 of us, but then we got this 9 million seat sanctuary. Where do we sit? From corner to corner. What does that communicate? I like the other person. <laughs> I like mine. The Pastor Ken, I'm going to quote this great theologian. Uh -oh. <laughs> Ecclesia is two words jammed together. Ek, out of, klesia, uh, or kaleo, the, the verb to call out. So it is the called out ones. And this is Pastor Ken's definition, which is beautiful. A called out covenant community in relation with Jesus the Christ for the redemption of the world. Now, let's take the first part of that. When somebody walks into the doors of our church and we're sitting from corner to corner all spread out, do we represent a covenant community? Are we showing people that we really love the people that are at the church? I'm, I'm not kidding you. I know it's partially funny, but we are communicating something about what we think about people and what we think about Jesus by the way we sit. And, and we need to understand that we're communicating something about what our church is by where we sit. But when you marked off the pews, people were offended. Cool. Right. Yes. So uh, instead of marking off pews, <laughs> instead of marking off pews, I'm asking. I'm asking you. Let's change the way we think about church. When you come into church Sunday morning, I know. I know. Like you have just now formed the cushion of your pew to your rear end. It's perfect. <laughs> I'm, I know. Somebody said it <laughs> Somebody was in my view. I felt it. I'm, I'm asking you, 
to consider to consider sitting tighter together because it communicates something church it communicates something it, it's hard to call ourselves a family when we sit from corner to corner we need to think about what we do is communicating what we really believe about what God came to institute. When the most first time visitors come to church? When do they come? When do they come? Like Christmas. Christmas. No, beyond that, every Sunday. Uh, right, right before service starts. Yep, yep. Yeah. What's happening in our parking lot? Lots of things. Lots of people exiting. Mm. So it's strange to me if I'm driving in and I'm going, where are people going? And they're coming to worship because they think, okay, we go to church because we want to worship. I'm talking about a, a believer, obviously. Non-believers here probably because his wife made him, <laughs> whatever the case. But and oftentimes we, by that time, guest places are taken by members. I had to kind of monitor this at our church. I, I do a lot of consulting with churches. I was in a big church in Charlotte, and by the time the worship people came in, the guests, every visitor's place was taken. Parking spot? Mm-hmm. Okay. No, no, not by visitors. <laughs> When, when a visitor comes into the sanctuary, where are they most likely, a guest comes in, where are they most likely wanting to sit? In the back. In the back. But well, we've taken all the back spots. <laughs> so we're immediately making guests feel uncomfortable and unwanted, unwelcome. It means something, y'all. Pastor Ken's on to something much bigger that we have to fix. Those of you that were here for Christmas Eve service, do you remember how powerful the worship was? Mm -hmm. And we sang because you could hear each other sing. And you were encur you're encouraged by the person that's not sitting a mile away from you to sing. Some of us need some distance around us. <laughs> I don't appreciate you talking about Andy like that. Okay? <laughs> He's not here to defend himself. When, when we meet, we're communicating to people about what we believe. And we've got to ask ourselves, are we building on the rock? Okay, now I'm going to come to one more point because... I need to, okay? So this, Pastor Ken's second point was this idea of supernatural empowering. He says, on this rock, I will build. I will build. Jesus says, I will build my church. And there's a lot of freedom to that. I need you to know that at the end of the day, you and I are not responsible for the success of or the fruitfulness of the church. Only Jesus does that. And that's good news. But he, play, he promises to build something that will last into eternity. Pastor Ken said it, I think this past weekend, he said the church is the only thing that will last after this world ends. It's the, it's the only institution that will last into eternity. Even marriage. The church will. Everything else won't. Now, and I want you to know, every worldly empire that has ever risen to power has fallen. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I could preach a sermon about what's coming up in the year 2024 for the nation, and I'll get to that at some point in time, but it reminds us that we don't need to set our hopes in this place that we live. I love my country. I'm thankful for my country. But my hope is not in my country. And so just know but if it goes your way, great. It's still not going to end how you want it to. If it doesn't go your way, remember 
remind yourself that our hope is not in what happens in the 2024 election. <laughs> Every world order, empire has fallen, and Jesus promises to build something that will last. He promises to his church or to his people a kingdom that cannot be shaken, that endures into the heavens. And he promises to build that. Now here's the tension that we live in, okay? The tension that we live in is Jesus says, I will build my church. But then in 1 Corinthians, Pastor Ken reminded us that Paul says, be careful how you build. So I will build it, but you will build it. Wait, what are you talking about? How does that work? What does that mean? Okay, so he tells us to build on the foundation. So which is it? Is it God, Jesus who builds, or is it us who build? What's the great theological answer for those questions? Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes is the answer. So I want to remind you of a few simple truths. Let's recognize them. Number one, God has placed you in his church on purpose for a purpose. On purpose for a purpose. Therefore, God has gifted you to meet what he determines is needed. You have a purpose, and you don't get to determine what that purpose is. You don't get to choose your identity. God created you, designed you, and placed you in the body as he saw fit. And third, the third point, this third truth that we need to recognize in the I will build, he will build, is that you are the instruments that God will use to accomplish his work in his church. You are an instrument. And at one point in time, we were all instruments of evil, of unrighteousness. But now that we have been set free by the blood of Christ, you and I get to present ourselves, Romans 6, to God as instruments of righteousness. So we get to do that now. And you're a tool, an instrument, wielded in the hand of the master that he uses to build his church. So two cautions that the scriptures give us. Pastor Ken mentioned this past weekend, what are you building with? And there are two kind of lists, two comparative lists. The first list is gold, silver, precious stones. And, and, and every Jew would have gone to the temple. Lasting things. And then the second list was wood, hay, straw, or stubble. So are you building with the things that will last or the things that will be consumed with fire? Are, are we attempting to build the church of Jesus Christ with the truth, the gospel, preaching and teaching, equipping and discipleship, or programs, personalities, lights, emotions, entertainment? Because let me tell you something. Christopher can get up and he can sing and he can move you. When he sings, I bow my knees and cry holy, boy, I'll slap somebody. We can be moved in our emotions, entertained, and at the end of the day, it's consumed in fire. Wood, hay, straw. Are we studying books about the Bible? I'm not opposed to books about the Bible, but is our content books about the Bible, or are we trying to get into the Bible? Is the authority a person or a group of people, or is it the Scriptures? Is Jesus the authority of the church? Is our governing structure, is it found in the world or in the Word? Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. So the two cautions that we need to recognize when we think about this, I will build my church, and then, and then God says, no, 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 I want to use you to, to build the church. You've got to build too. So there's that tension that we build and he builds. So the first question is, what am I building with? And the sec second question that we need to think about 
is what power are you depending on? Now, as Pastor Ken's point, it's supernatural power. Now, the Blackabees wrote an incredible book a handful of years ago called Flickering Lamps. Flickering Lamps. And he starts out one of his chapters asking or saying this statement. You do not need divine power if you're not obeying what God said. It doesn't take a miracle to live in disobedience. But the moment you begin to do what God told you to do, His power is indispensable. So what power are you relying on? God promises all throughout the scriptures to resource our obedience, not our good intentions. So what power are we depending on? Sometimes we don't see God at work powerfully in our congregation because we don't expect God to use our congregation. I mean, compared to such and such a church, they're just a little, little church. God's not going to do great things with us. Says who? I read this morning in Acts 17 that, that the, the Thessalonians and the Bereans, they received Paul at first, and then they got frustrated at Paul. And then they kicked Paul out. And then when he got to Berea, they said of Paul, this group, group of people who's turned the world upside down, now they're here. They're just common, uneducated men. Jesus turned the world upside down with 12 people. Do we at Seneca Baptist Church believe that God the God that we worship is God Almighty, El Shaddai. Do we believe that? So are we attempting anything that only God can do? Whose power are we depending on? So I, Blackaby does this way better than me, so I'm just going to use his questions or a few of them. Is God pleased by faith or self-sufficiency? Help me out. Faith. faith not self-sufficiency. So what are we as a church doing that requires faith? Good news, Paula. Amen, Miss Paula. I walked in the fifth grade room and Miss Paula's eyes were about this big and she's like, Ryan, you better get in there. I'm going to hurt somebody. <laughs> What are we what are we doing? Good news club, Awana. We're doing some things that require faith. What are we doing? What are you doing that requires faith? Okay. Which will draw people to Christ? Let me give you two options. A church that is tentative and cautious, doing only what it can afford, or a church that's accomplishing feats that only can be explained by God. Which one's gonna draw people to Jesus? The latter one, right? Don't you want to be that? I want my children to grow up in a church where they see the power of God on display. Like, like if my church grow up in business as usual, status quo, and they don't see the power of God, I feel like I failed my children. Blackaby goes on to say, living within your means is not a sin, but it will most likely not accomplish a great commission. So let me just recap these two points on this rock. Are we building on the rock? Are we building on the rock? Pointing people, everything we do, pointing to the person and work of Jesus, that they might come in contact, encounter the real Jesus of the scriptures. Is that what we're doing? Is, is everything that we do, is that profession in our lives 
creating obedience in our hearts, our lives, our hands, our actions, our attitudes. It's oftentimes not the, the big things that say the most to people. Sometimes it's the small things that do. Pastor Ryan, I, I have to say one of the, I love everything about this church. I really do. One of the biggest things is there's so much going on behind the scenes that people never hear of. There are so many caring people here who give their time, their talents, their money, um, and spreading the gospel in all kinds of ways. And it's phenomenal. And the biggest thing is they don't go blasting it on Facebook. They don't go saying, I did this or that. They follow scripture and they do it out of their heart and, and without any wanting to be recognized for any of it. It's sincere, it's real, and um, it just goes on all the time. God is building his church. Yes. And he's using folks right here at Seneca Baptist to do it. He's doing incredible things through incredible people who are surrendered to him right here. Everyday, ordinary means of life. People, yes. And Ryan, Thank you. It's not being done through tradition, what always has been done. It's being done through trusting God. Amen. Amen. So remember our two cautions. What are we building with? And I want you to ask that question. Pastor Ken left us with a very important question this weekend, do the, the things that you're building with match the worth of the person of Christ? I didn't say it as well as Pastor Ken did, but is what you're building with matching the confession? Right? Gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, straw, so what are you building with and what power are we are we depending on? Now I want to be a church that sometimes it just don't make sense. But it's because we're depending on the power of God to do what only God can do. So would you join me in prayer as we make that our hearts cry tonight? Father, we come to you and, and Lord, you you are doing so many things among us using people in such incredible ways among us. Father, we have seen so many, heard of so many gospel conversations this past year, whether it's with Afghans or Iranians or Good News Club students or, or Seneca Classical students or Applewood Villas. Father, you have done incredible things this year, but we don't want to see a stop at what we've seen. We, we want to see you do. Lord, we want to see you build your church that the gates of hell might not prevail against you. We want to be right there with you, Lord. We want to be useful. We want to be surrendered and submitted. We want to be a part of what you want to do that will last into all of eternity. So help us prioritize our lives on eternal things, not temporal ones. Help us, Lord. Help us to build on the rock. Their attitudes and actions are... Everything that we do is built on the person of Christ and the Word of God. And if it's not, Lord, let, let it be burned up. Lord, please help us, teach us to be dependent on your Holy Spirit working through us. Empty us as vessels, fill us with your power that at the end of the day, it's not a personality that's glorified, but it's Jesus who is. Father, help us. Father, we're asking in these seasons where stuff doesn't make sense, that you would do what only you could do, that you would build your church. And if it doesn't look anything like what I expect it to look like, praise the Lamb. But Lord, let it be so. I surrender every thought that I have, every dream that I have, every desire that I have, because God's plans are good. So, Lord, take our lo little loaves and fishes that we offer to you. 
And Jesus, we're asking that you bless them with the Father's blessing. That you might multiply our little obedience in your great kingdom. And expand it for your glory among the nations. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. And listen, if you're interested in any of those mission trips that we've mentioned, let us...